You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is Justin Janowski. Justin has been a guest on my podcast before. So Startup Nation, be at ease. He's not going to mess it up, okay? This guy's a professional. Let me tell you about him and why I want him on the show. Again, Justin has helped hundreds of coaches build their dream businesses from the ground up. Driven by his faith, he founded Faith to Influence to help people learn what it takes to turn coaching into a profitable business venture. Now, he's got a special spin on this. I personally have benefited from the work he's done. Now, Justin has guided Christians and non-Christian coaches alike through the rewarding process of optimizing business models, pricing, and sales strategies so that they can scale their income alongside their impact. He has a passion for sharing this process with emerging entrepreneurs to help them simplify and grow their businesses the right way. Justin currently lives in Milwaukee and his beautiful wife, Kara, and with his beautiful wife, Kara, and their playful kiddos, Grace and Gavin. Now, Justin, you just moved, right? Are you still in Milwaukee or where'd you move to? We are in Milwaukee. We moved okay. from Colorado Springs to Milwaukee actually gotcha. in August of 2020, believe it or not. An interesting time to move. I'll tell you, moving a family, bro. We, we moved twice in six months in the past two years, and it was not an enjoyable process. Yay, growth. All right. So, Justin, um, here's what I want to say about you before I, I turn it over to you. Justin, your bio doesn't read this way, but you are very gifted in helping entrepreneurs, Christians and non-Christians alike, to change their sales conversations, right? So, specifically coaches. And so many of us, when we're in a sales conversation with a potential client, a prospect, we have this icky, fic, icky yucky feeling of dread or, or, or doom and gloom towards the end of the sales conversation when we have to ask for the money, hmm. right? And so many of us, like, we're like, we know we have to do it, but that's the part I hate, I hate asking for the money, but until I ask for the money and they pay me the money, I can't help them. Mm. I can't help them. And I know for me, uh, this, this was a problem. 
This was a problem, especially as I started to raise my tickets and my rates. Um, and then like, you know, the more I had to ask for the yuckier it felt. Mm. Right. So startup nation, if you can resonate with me on that in any way, and you're in that right now, Justin is one of the best I've seen at changing the entire narrative of your sales conversation and removing all your head trash so that you're not dumping it out on the prospect unknowingly, because that's what I was doing. Mm. My fears, my limitations, I was projecting on them. They didn't know it. They just all of a sudden felt like something was off. Something was wrong. I was creating question marks where there was none. And then guess what happened? They started to question me and my my credibility. And now I'm on the defensive rather than the offensive saying, hey, you have a problem. I have a solution. You want it? You ready? Here's the price. So Justin changes that conversation. That's what we're going to do today for you. So if you're ready for that, if you never want to feel that icky, sticky, gooey feeling at the end of a sales conversation, Startup Nation, we're going to set you free from that today. Justin, you on board with that? Yes, let's set them free. I love let's it. Set them free. Set my people free. All right, Justin, welcome uh, to your first 100K Top 100 Podcast in Entrepreneurship. Fill in some of the gaps in that intro and then we'll get into your story. Yeah, you know, uh, the intros, the intro is pretty solid. I, I'll say this as far as filling in some of the gaps. I've held thousands of sales conversations. So the process we teach has been honed through probably roughly around 7,000 sales conversations over the last decade on high ticket coaching programs. So a lot of reps, a lot of efforts, a lot of getting it wrong at the beginning. I remember I was doing sales for another coaching company, high ticket sales. We didn't have our mar our target market dialed in. We didn't have the right offer. We weren't pursuing the right audience. I was cold calling C-level executives trying to make sales to our retreat. And we didn't even have a website at the time. So we were like, this startup company I was working with had a great product, but was unprepared in marketing and sales. And so I had to learn and work really hard. And I remember holding a hundred sales calls and not making a single sale. And they offered me a thousand dollar a month salary to get started plus commissions. And so that was like, two and a half months without any commissions before all of a sudden it popped. And like it, the, the reality is there were a few things that worked. Like one was we shifted who we were pursuing from C-level executives to salespeople, which was more appropriate target audience for us. I also started to work on referrals and reaching out to my natural market, people who I knew, have trust with, asking for referrals, being warmly introduced. These things that just make sales a lot easier rather than cold calling. And I remember the fourth quarter of that year after like getting skunked for a hundred sales calls, the company came out with a new sales structure, a new commission plan for me. And there was a bonus structure and you would earn a bonus if I earned what they called 20 points. And I got points for getting sales. I got additional points if they paid in full. There was this whole equation for this bonus and 20 points would get me a bonus. 50 points would get me a bigger bonus. 75 points would get me a bigger bonus. And 100 points would get me a $20,000 bonus. Now, I just worked three months and made $3,000. So the idea of a $20,000 bonus was really exciting. I was told by my manager, this might take me three or four years to get to that 100 point level and the $20,000 bonus. I've got a lot of work to do. I hit it that quarter. And it was such an explosion of like results that was actually... It's kind of like that overnight success idea that like, well, you didn't see all the 
the time it wasn't overnight. Like if you would have just heard the story from there, like I got offered a new compensation plan and overnight, like immediately hit it in the first quarter. But there was that quarter before where I had a hundred sales calls and I remained active. I remained in effort, uh, even without the sales, because I was working on the skill set. And most important to me on every call wasn't to make a sale, but it was to work towards mastery of the sales skill set. And once I was uh, aligned with the right offer to the right target audience, and I was bringing in warm prospects, that skill set turned into sales. And ultimately, over the last 7,000 sales calls and conversations I've had, I sold millions and millions of dollars worth of coaching programs. And it's been really fun. And it's also been hard at different points. And I remember like taking the leap to start my business. And that's where we kind of get into my story. But but the last thing I suppose filling in the gap around the bio that I'll share is that not only do I work with Christian coaches in a mastermind right now to help them grow, we, we do something called sales school, a six month program to help people master that process, uh, is that I also do sales for some really high ticket, high performing coaches in the industry that people probably know people like Pete Vargas and Pedro Deo and Ray Edwards and uh, David Bayer, Founders Mastermind, a lot of million dollar companies, $10 million companies and more hire us to bring the sales process to them because it makes them look good and feel good around their clients because we're going to operate with high integrity. Sales is going to feel good whether the prospect buys or not. And it's also a high converting process. So we really love the work that we do and the marketplace seems to love it as well. So I'm just curious with those uh, larger clients that you work with, are you like an interim sales team? Yes, yes. So and we that, that takes a few different shapes. Oftentimes, somebody will have a big conference. This is where we can shine. We, we work with a lot of clients who will have hundreds or thousands of people at a conference and they want to maximize sales on the back end. So they're going to make an offer from stage. We're actually there for the entire event, live or virtual, depending on the, the event these days. And we're able to hold coaching and like vision calls prior to their offer being made from stage, usually on the second day of the conference. And then we're able to answer questions and ask good questions to help bring in deals and ultimately make it easy for the right people to say yes and join their programs. So that's one of the things that we do. And occasionally we get hired yeah, as an interim sales team on more of a retainer basis to handle calls, high ticket um, opportunities that come through a funnel. Mm -hmm. I recently got hired by a company, Kingdom REI. Uh, they are helping Christians become real estate investors and leave their jobs and grow in that. And they've got a, a big offer and it's really exciting. And they hired us to be essentially the sales manager and sales team for three months, develop out their processes, help them measure certain KPIs, and then hire and train the new sales team to pass it off uh, after the three-month engagement. So there's a few different things that we do there. My favorite work is helping the newer coach between zero and 100K reach 100k so it was really exciting to be on your podcast because that's my favorite thing to do with our sales school and it's also rewarding to help more successful coaches uh hit another level and do it with a really high integrity way awesome thanks for sharing that let's get into it let's help those coaches hit their first six figures right now all right so where do you want to start right so like you have a listener right now you have mm. a lot of listeners and our coaches, <laughs> uh, but let's speak to the one. You know exactly where they're stuck. Mm. You've dealt with this enough times. You've trained enough of these individuals, guys and gals, and they have a lot of head trash around specifically the sales conversation, whatever they name it, vision call, clarity call, whatever. They're offering this free call for 
prospects to engage with them and see if they're the right fit. Like, take us through that. What, first off, what is the most common problem you're seeing um, with these coaches for engaging uh, those prospects? Like, where do you want to start with this? Because there's many factors here. Many coaches struggle yeah. filling those those calls. They're struggling with leads. And yeah. then others, they're great at getting leads, but they get on the call and then they self-sabotage and they can't close mm -hmm. the call, right? Where do you want to start? Yeah, you know, there's, I, I think there's three things that, that people get wrong. And one of them is having the right business model and offer. Uh, so I talked about like, you know, doing sales from my former company. We were pursuing the wrong clients in the wrong way. The leads were coming in really cold. We didn't have the right pricing on our offer, et cetera. It's like having the right offer and the right price point that you can feel good about is really important. You know, we can't get to the end of the sales call and say, oh, uh, what should we do now? How should we work together? So simple, I, I always remind people that to be able to take a payment means that like you're ready to be in business. Once you make a sale, you're actually in business. But to be able to take a payment, we need to have an, a mission statement, which is basically who you work with, what you do for them and why it matters. Then we have to be, uh, we have to re a real offer with a real price point. So that at the end of the call, we can say the way I work with my clients is and invite people to something. And then the third thing is we need to be ready to take a payment. So we need to have, you know, an LLC and a, business checking account and then a Stripe account. So you can take a credit card, like all legitimate businesses. So if you get these three things in place, then you're ready to take and make a sale. The, that That's easier for most people than other things. However, I will say that some, some of the people I work with have really low price points. They want to like make a hundred thousand dollars, but they want to do it with hundred dollar sales. And, you know, you need to make a thousand sales then uh, to have a hundred thousand dollar business. Making a thousand sales is really difficult. You could have a one thousand dollar offer. Then you'd have to make a hundred sales. Making a hundred sales a year is really difficult. You could have a ten thousand dollar offer, though. And then you don't have to make ten sales in a year to have a hundred thousand dollar business. It's just so much easier to make ten sales even at ten thousand dollars than it is to make a hundred sales at $1,000. That's a lot of sales to make. So we need to make sure that the business model aligns with the goals of the client. Mm -hmm. But the, the that's all set up. That's all set up. It's really important. A lot of people get to that point and have like a solid offer and a solid plan, but they still really struggle to make sales. And of course, I want to share that like our structure of a sales process, our 10-step structure is really important, but way more important than that is the mindset piece. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in our own heads and our own hearts that prevents us from making sales. All right. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So really there's, there's three pieces. The first piece, and we call this the internal art of influence to be really influential. We need to be artful almost, you know, sales can be an art. It can be an expression. It's, it's really fun when we do it the right way, but internally we have to get a few things right. And for me, it's your identity or who you believe yourself to be your emotional state in a given moment. And then the stories that you're telling yourself. Now, I remember being a, a new coach and I remember having really stressful feelings. I remember being anxious. I remember quitting my job to start my business. We had just had our first baby. And Joseph, you had your 
third baby last week. So you're in the, the same phase of life that we're in, but we, we had had our first baby. My wife left her job for me to be a stay at home for her to be a stay at home mom for a little while while I provided. And that startup company that was paying me a thousand dollars a month. Well, now I was making six figures with them and I could provide, but I felt like God was calling me to start my business. And I quit that job. Like the second day back after paternity leave, it was scary. We cried. Like we really prayed. And for the next three months, I was scared and I was tossing and turning. I was anxious. I wasn't sure if I could do it. And for some of us, when we're not sure we can do it, and when we have like some challenges in our identity and our self-talk, we have some self-doubt, we just give up right away. We wouldn't even start. But I was willing to push through that fear and anxiety. It made me toss and turn and have sleepless nights, but I kept working. I kept doing the work. I had maybe that mustard seed of faith that God calls us to, like keep doing some of the work. And after three months, we had a big moment where we were going to hold our first live event. It was a retreat. We had sold eight people to it. And those eight people had paid over a thousand dollars to come to the retreat. And we had a big annual program mastermind offer that we were going to make at the retreat. And the day before, I remember feeling so scared, hmm. so uncertain. Like it felt like everything was going wrong. It felt like there were a number of different kinds of attacks that day. Like things were falling out of the rafters and hitting me in the head in my garage. when I was trying to take stuff over to the house. I had uh, the technology not working. I had a toothache that never existed before or after that day. Like everything was going wrong and just made me feel off. And then I was sitting in the event space, this Airbnb in a blue chair. And I was looking at the other chairs where, and, and couches where people were going to be sitting for that event. And I closed my eyes and I imagined the men in the event space with me the next day. And I imagined seeing disappointment on their faces hmm. and recognizing that I was in the middle of sharing something. And they were like, what is this? Like, what did we pay for? Like, I, I had all the worst thoughts, like worst case scenario thoughts. And I cried in that chair and I thought, maybe I can't do this. And there's another opportunity to give up. But what, what was important for me in like my identity is recognizing that like God's got me in my identity. And like, maybe I can't do it, but God can do anything. And so there was a surrender, an element of surrender and trust in God and a little bit of surrender and trust in myself that I could do this if God was leading me to it. And so there was some letting go that needed to be done. I went home and I just let go. I stopped preparing. I enjoyed the evening with my wife. I prayed. I went to sleep. I woke up the next day with a blanket of confidence over me. And my first 100K, at the end of that weekend, three months into the business, we had booked over $100,000. In the first year, we collected, in the first 13 months, over $250,000 in revenue, far beyond what I could have imagined. But I, like, even though my identity was what I would call in progress, the things I thought about myself weren't super high. Like I had an identity in progress where I was working on it. Like I had some positive self-talk. I had some challenges. I had some belief. I had some self-doubt that mustard seed of faith, enough confidence that I could do it to actually do the work and like be bold. Even when I was scared, that was so important. And that like really developed who I believed myself to be in that kind of experience. And, um, and, and so that's, that's the identity piece. It's our self-talk. If, if listeners are struggling with this, you know, I'll speak to the one. If you're listening to this and you're saying, oh my gosh, that's me. Like, I just have some self-doubt. I just don't always believe I can do it. You might begin to write some positive and empowering I am statements. Like, I am a great coach. I am a child of God. I am a leader. I am a great salesperson. I am a loving salesperson. Uh, I am uh, a generous person, a generous leader, whatever it might be. And you might reread those things. You might reinforce some of those things. We've got soundtracks that have been running in our head for years or even decades. 
and we need to break some of those soundtracks and put a new one on. And, and so like that can be done, of course, through prayer. It can be done through positive self-talk. It can be done through surrounding ourselves with good people, listening to a great podcast like this that encourages and uplifts you. That identity piece is the most important thing. You have to, to a certain degree, believe that you can do it and be able to act and speak boldly, not like false confidence or arrogance. You can have humility and authenticity. That's, that's actually a superpower in today's world, but you have to believe that you can do it before anyone else will believe. And before you'll feel good about inviting somebody to buy your offer. And then the second piece of that in an emotional state, I'm going to jump quick is, is I want to help people recognize like the value of feeling good before you get on a sales call. You mentioned it, Joseph, that you were like bringing your head trash and giving it to them, which is so wise because there's a reality that we have emotions and they're contagious. We all have an emotional wake, like a boat running through the water. There's a wake. It's going to affect the fishing boat that's innocently sitting on the side. And so if we know that we've got an emotional wake, we need to be intentional about what that is. If we notice somebody laughing, we start to laugh. If we see somebody crying, we feel sad. Like this is a common human nature thing. And so because emotions are contagious, we need to be thoughtful about what emotions we're bringing to the conversation. If we come into a sales call and we're feeling nervous, scared, weak, uncertain, uh, all of all of those kinds of things, then our prospects might feel some of those things uh, unconsciously. And that's going to make it really hard for them to say, oh, I want to take a big risk to bet on myself and believe in myself enough to hire a coach. It requires a significant amount of belief in oneself to hire a coach. Uh, so you better believe in yourself so that they can experience some of that emotion too. So I want to come to a call feeling confident, feeling loving, feeling peaceful, feeling good. And so I have to have a pre-call ritual. And so if, if you're listening to this, recognize what are the emotions you feel when you're at your best and what can you do in one or two minutes before a call to feel those things? Maybe it's dance, maybe it's pray, maybe it's sing, maybe it's listen to something, maybe it's stand up, maybe it's put your arms out. I need to like make myself big, take deep breaths. You might drink water, you might do a few push-ups. you might sit down and meditate or breathe. There's a number of different ways we can do this. Maybe you visualize something that is gonna happen on that call. Like you visualize the perfect conversation with you really helping them, the ripples of that impact. Or maybe you remember that time that you were really impactful. There's so many different ways to do this, but if we can be really intentional with a pre-call ritual for one or two minutes to make ourselves feel good before we get on the call, results are going to be completely different. And if we feel really good, a great emotional state can overcome an identity in progress. And then the final piece of this, I'm going fast, but grab one of these if one is important for you. But the final piece of this is the stories we're telling ourselves. So of course, those affect identity, the stories about ourselves. But what are the stories we tell ourselves about sales and about money? specifically. And most of us, 90% of what we think today is what we thought yesterday. We're creatures of habit. We think the same things over and over and over. And for most of us, we have very little awareness of our stories. But if you have a story that sales is pushy or sales is greedy or sales is evil or something like that, you're not going to want to get on a sales call. You're actually going to self-sabotage because you don't want to make a sale and be able to identify as a salesperson if you think sales is bad. And so what we have to do is recognize the truth in this. And you might take that old story like sales is pushy and write it down on a piece of paper if that's what you believe, or sales is evil if that's what you believe, or greedy or whatever it is. And you might cross that story out and write next to it in big capital letters, not true, and write the more empowering truth underneath. And so 
for some people, what they need to recognize is whatever sales has been to your dad or your mom, the stories you heard when you were a kid, the movies you watched or experiences you had with a bad salesperson at a car dealership or knocking on your door, whatever you thought sales was in a general sense has very little to do with what sales is with you. And so the new, more empowering story might be sales with me is blank. One of my clients, Laura Neiser, she thought sales was pushy. I said, Laura, are you pushy? She said, no, 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 no. And I said, okay, if you were not pushy, would you be pushy if I got you on a sales call? She said, no, I can't. I'm not pushy. I just can't do it. I said, okay, well then sales with you isn't pushy, is it? She said, no. So what is sales with you? And Laura said, sales with me is service. And so that's what we have to recognize that with us, it can be something totally different. I believe that sales when done right is simply making it easy for the right people to say yes. I believe sales when done right is service. It's love. It's helping people become more of who they were meant to become or achieve or receive more of what they want in their life. All of this is really good. I believe that sales when done right is simply coaching with an invitation at the end. And so if we get these stories right, we're going to have less resistance and sales is going to start to feel easy and fun. And it also affects the way other people receive what it is as well. And I'll give one example in money. Like a lot of people think money's evil or the root of all evil, but it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. If it's, it's making an idol of it, it's making it the most important thing. And so we have to have integrity around money in our business, incredibly important so that we can feel good. But my story around money is the more that I earn, the more I can give. So I don't have any resistance to earning money. I want to earn as much as I possibly can and give as much as I possibly can. So we just need to check on those stories and make sure that we're telling ourselves healthy and empowering stories about sales and money, and then fulfilling the truth of those empowering stories in the way we show up for people. Startup Nation, are you tracking? Justin just delivered a lot of value there. Go back, hit replay. Grab the one thing you're actually going to take action on. Just one thing. Like if you make 1% progress after listening to this episode, this was worth your time. You don't have to get everything perfect. Just improve 1% every day. So maybe for you right now, it's, man, I really have to improve my identity around sales. Like Justin just pointed out some stuff to me. I have head trash before I'm getting on my sales calls. Just like Justin, before he's the day before he's doing his retreat at the Airbnb, he's visualizing the exact thing that he does not want to happen and feeling those emotions, which then your brain takes the emotions and the, the, the picture, puts it together and goes and gets you that. Like disappointment, that's what he was creating for his retreat, disappointed, right? Disappointed clients who want refunds. Is that what you want? Of course not, right? But that's where he was stuck. And Justin, thank you for sharing that story because I think so many of us can relate to that. Mm-hmm. It's like the dreaded look of disappointment on a client's face where we're talking, we think we're adding value and they're looking at us like, this is not helping me. Like, what the F? Why am I wasting my time? Like that is the worst feeling ever, ever. And it's right? a lie. Thinking about it's the worst feeling ever. The truth is 99.9% of your listeners will never experience that in real life, only in a visualization of something that's not true. Mm. So powerful. Uh, as you were saying this, um, with that story with one of your female clients there, and she said, no, sales to me is service, right? 
And, you know, she brings that to the game. And I thought to myself, just in this moment listening, I'm like, well, what do I bring? Like in a, a, it, to that sales conversation, I'm like, I bring encouragement. Mm. And encouragement is putting courage into someone, right? When you encourage someone, you put courage into someone that they don't have. So I'm letting people borrow my courage. And that's something I've been known for is like, guys are like, man, I feel emboldened around you. I feel like I could do things that I, I, I normally can't do. And it gives them that courage in that moment to take that action and make that decision they've been avoiding. And it's like, I bring that into that sales conversation. What a gift. Right? What but a my, gift. But my head trash was telling me the opposite, right? Mm. Oh, you're pushy. Because my parents, unfortunately, and my siblings, like you said, would always say, oh, Joseph's the car salesman. Joseph's the car salesman. Oh, you're, you're just mm. a car salesman. And they put that false identity on me. Now, I did car sales for two weeks in my life when I was in my 20s, Justin. And they held on to that and made that mm. Joseph's permanent story and have mm. projected onto me over and over again throughout the years. No matter how many businesses I've succeeded at, oh, you're just a car salesman. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. Now, I'm sharing that vulnerability with you, Startup Nation, because others around you have projected a false identity on you mm. and you've allowed it or you projected on yourself or the enemy's projected on you and you've allowed it. So first off, take Justin's advice. What is that false identity? Write it down on paper, put mm -hmm. a big line through it. And then in all caps, put what is actually true. Mm -hmm. I'm not a car salesman. I'm an encourager. Mm -hmm. I embolden people to take action where they've been avoiding it and shift their life and the entire trajectory of their destiny mm. and change that, that ripple, right? That wake for their family, for their wives, their children, like change their entire destiny, everything. Like mm. what is yours? What is your startup nation? So Justin, thank you for that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, I'd never put a word to that before. So well, powerful. You could put that on a big board in your office. Sales with me is encouragement. Sales with me emboldens people. I love it. And it's a reminder too, like so many people's families doubt them, especially in their entrepreneurial journey and place these identities and these stories upon us. And we just have to say, that's not mine. No, thank you to that. And surround ourselves with the kinds of people who speak life into us. doesn't mean that we like divorce our family, but it does mean that maybe we pour a little less energy into what they say about who we are in business. And we surround ourselves with enough people who are speaking life into our businesses, life into our dreams and encouraging us like Joseph does with his clients. What an amazing gift. That's so cool. You know, a, a phrase I just want to contribute to you, Startup Nation. Um, and it's funny because I'll use it in, in other areas of my life. Like when I became a, a father, uh, yeah. other dads are like, good luck. You know, there goes your life, right? There goes your freedom. You're never going to get sleep again. And I started just saying this thing because I kept getting these false narratives projected on me and I, I got so annoyed with it. So I just started saying as a reflex, that's your story. That's not my story, right? Amen. That's your story. That's not mine. Mm. And immediately it shifted everything and it was just a shield for me. So I just offered that, that phrase uh, to you, uh, Startup Nation, for whatever negative story people project on you, just reply with gentleness and grace. That's not my story. You know, hey, that's other, that's somebody else's story. That's your story. That's not mine. And immediately, 
it doesn't go in. There's no crack in your wall. Right. Okay. So Justin, thank you for that. I think you just like went deep dive. We just went a mile deep and an inch wide on the head trash we bring to a sales conversation. Now that we're past that and our listener knows how to act upon this, take us through the sales conversation. Mm-hmm. How do we close more sales? Yeah. Do great. We have to shift. Great, great question. And I wrote I wrote this down, by the way. That's your story, not mine. There's my thing from the podcast today. I'm going to take home. Thank you for that. Beautiful, beautiful reframe. That's your story, not mine. I love that so it, much. It changes everything. And it mm. has so many applications throughout your life. Yes, for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in a certain scenario, you know, if you need to just say it in your own head, you know, there might be certain certain environments in which maybe you wouldn't say that out loud. Or even like you're listening to a public speaker. You know, you're not going to stand up in the crowd and say that out loud, but you can say it to yourself over and over. That's mm-hmm. now that's your story. That's not mine. That's so good. Okay. So as far as the sales process is concerned, you know, we have a 10 step sales process and I'm going to give like the overall vibe of this thing. I just want to give as much as I can. I'm also going to invite you though, if you want to follow along or add this later, Joseph, can I invite them to a PDF of this content? Yes. Let's leave it to the end so they keep listening and don't try to take a shortcut. Yes, yes, yes. Keep listening. The words are, of course, way better than what's written, but we'll give you a PDF with these 10 steps at the end that you can check out as well. But to open the sales process, if we take that as like one piece of it, the first step of our process is to get into the peak emotional state. So it's a reminder that like the first step of every great sales call begins right before the call starts with you getting yourself into that peak emotional state, doing your pre-call ritual, making sure that you feel good so you can perform at your best. And then the second step in the process is to get into rapport. People do this the wrong way all the time. Sometimes people are like trying to like get into rapport by small talking for as long as they possibly can. I know that some people will small talk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes or something before they start the sales conversation, which feels squeezed and it feels at the end. And, and ultimately like it's in like, this false idea of building rapport, but the true idea is that it's sales avoidance. It's saying that what you have to offer in this conversation is worth so little value that talking about the fish on the wall or the weather or your next vacation is more important than that. And if you're a high value coach, that's not true. And so if we if we sit in sales avoidance too long, people also get the impression that we're just trying to build a relationship or become friends. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't build relationships through sales, but they should be built through sales, not through sales avoidance, which all of a sudden then when we have an offer at the end feels kind of like, oh, what was this? You know, I've, I've had some multi-level marketers take me to lunch or coffee and I thought we were just becoming friends and it was this sales avoidance. They never told me what we were doing until the very end. All of a sudden there was an offer and a pitch and a price and it was unexpected. And sales feels sleazy when it's lacking transparency and when it's hidden. And so we don't want to re- build too much rapport. We want to get right into it with transparency. And the way we do that is by building rapport for 30, 60, 90 seconds, just saying, hey, how are you? How's your day been? Awesome. My day's been great. I'm really excited to talk to you. Could I lay a structure, set out a structure for this call? Like in transitioning right into step three, which is the preframe. And so brief rapport building. But what we are trying to do to be in rapport with somebody is communicate in a voice they can trust and receive, which is to pay attention to what's their emotional experience coming into the call and meeting them where they're at. If they're down, 
They're like, oh, my day's been so frustrating. Back to back to back calls. I've been so busy. I'm not going to be like, my day's been amazing. I just got a massage. Like, I'm going to be like, oh man, I've had days like that. Let me ask you a question. Is this still a good time for the call? Or do you want to take five minutes and come back? I can wait. Like, I want to meet them emotionally where they're at. If they do come to the call excited, I'm not going to be like, oh, my day's been frustrating and bring them down from that excitement. I'm going to meet them energetically, emotionally where they're at. Like, that's amazing. I love days like that. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Can I share a structure for this call? And so I want to meet them emotionally, but I also want to pay attention to their volume, their pace of communication, their tonality, the kinds of words they use, the language that they use. And I want to communicate in a way that they can receive. I want to find my authentic leadership voice, but recognize the range I have inside of my voice and use that to communicate in language that's easy for them to receive and say, wow, like I really connect with this person. Now, Justin, uh, how long yeah. should we pour building last? On like, a sales conversation. On average, one minute. One on average, minute. One minute. This is critical. This is critical. And I remember after I went through one of your free challenge trainings, I shifted this because I realized after going through your content that I was trying to win acceptance, mm. right? Rather than just owning my value mm -hmm. and getting right to it. Mm -hmm. And I shifted, and it was really difficult to shift rapport building down from 15 minutes plus mm -hmm. to one minute to 60 mm -hmm. seconds. Really difficult, but there was power in it. Yeah. And I just met them right there. We did the rapport. I connected with them. Boom. And then I did the. I went right into preframe and preframe. Mm -hmm. I I I am a huge fan of what you're about to teach. Mm -hmm. Preframe. Pre let me say that in English. Preframe. I'm I'm a you know international podcaster. Yeah. So preframe closed so many more sales mm -hmm. at such higher rates because I put the free preframe in. Mm. I said, here's the journey we're going on. Did you bring your gear? Mm -hmm. Here's what it's gonna look like when we get there. Here's what's going to happen after we get there. And then you're going to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Like I told them part of this, by the end of the call, we're making a decision no matter what. I don't care which decision you make, but we're going to make a decision. Are you in agreement with that? Mm -hmm. If you're not, we're not having the call. Because mm -hmm. it's going to well, waste both our time. Brother, that shifted everything. It does. And I remember one of my clients, and he's a a very uh, accomplished, high-achieving uh, digital marketer, works with the biggest names in, in the business. And he said, dude, I've seen every sales funnel, every sales conversation there is. I've never seen that. Like you get them into a full yes in the decision-making right out the gate. Mm -hmm. And now they're committed to say yes or no. There's no maybe, there's no I'll think about it. Like it just shifted the entire conversation. And yeah. I just started closing on one call you know, $10,000 pluses. Mm -hmm. And it was just like wild. Yeah. And the transparency of it is a big, a big key in it. Joseph, I love your language on that. Um, I'll, I'll say one more thing about the rapport piece that's popping for me for the first time. It's ima like, imagine the best coach, you know, the most successful coach, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's Tony Robbins or maybe it's John Maxwell. Imagine you had a one hour or a 25 minute call even with Tony Robbins or John Maxwell. If they spent a third or half of that call, 
just catching up about the weather and stuff that didn't matter, wouldn't you feel disappointed? And it's also probably impossible to imagine that they would do that. They would know how valuable their time is and how valuable the opportunity is for you to be with them as a great coach in this call. So they're going to get right into serving you. And so we need to show up with people that same way, recognizing our own value and bringing it on that call. As we transition in like a minute out of rapport into the preframe, you know, there's, there's a lot of steps to this and the PDF will break it down, but it's something like what Joseph said. I loved your language around it. Mine sounds something like this. Like, Hey, John, thanks so much for taking the time to connect with me today. I want to make the best use of your time and mine. So could I just lay out a simple structure for this call? Cool. Great. The, the reason we're connecting is Joseph tells me you're a great coach. You're also a Christian leader. And I work with Christian coaches to help them optimize their business model, their pricing and their sales strategies so that they can scale their income and their impact. My outcome on a call like this is to, of course, discover whether or not it's a fit for us to work together. And the way I'd like to get to that outcome is by asking you a series of questions about where you're at in your business right now, what your vision for the future is, and what some of the challenges are that you're facing. From there, I can give you some perspective and coaching based on what I hear. And if it seems like a good fit, I'll explain really specifically how I work with my clients. And then you and I can decide either to work together or not work together. And either way is fine. Does that sound good? Yes. Sounds good. Sounds professional. Sounds prepared. And they're getting consent. They're giving consent for us to sell. There's so much transparency in this. The outcome of the call is to discover whether or not it's a fit for us to work together. Here's how we're going to get there. Then we'll make a decision. Does that sound good? There's transparency. There's consent. There's so much goodness in that. If you just took that one thing and started to implement it, mm -hmm. then the rest of the sales call becomes pretty easy. I'm going to give the rest of the sales call in one minute, which is we ask questions in discovery to find out about the present and past. Then we ask questions about the future, their vision for what they really want. And then we start asking questions about the gap. What stands between where they're at and what they want? What's the biggest problem or challenge they need to solve? Then we ask, what's going to happen if you don't solve that problem? What's going to happen if you do solve that problem? What would be possible then? During all of these questions, we want to be really curious. Why question mark? Why question mark? Why question mark? I used to have a post-it of that on my computer to go layers deep. Be insatiably curious, follow the thread, don't be a script, have a conversation, but follow these bullets. And then once we figured out what's going to happen if they do or don't solve their problem, then we want to invite them to commit. How committed are you then to solving this problem? And if they're committed, we might insert a statement of certainty. If you're committed, I'm really confident I can help you. Are you ready to hear how I work with my clients? We're going to get consent again. Are you ready to hear how I work with my clients? Yes. Awesome. The way I work with my clients is, and then we have to make our offer. You might reframe this in your own mind as an invitation. This is a coaching call with an invitation at the end of it. That's what sales is. And people love being invited. And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to share the details of the program. And I'm going to say, and it costs this much. Is this something that you'd like to do? And that program's 10K. Is this something that you'd like to do? And they might say yes right away and we're celebrating and it's, it's exciting, or they might have some questions. They might have some concerns, in which case I'm going to show up in that uh, receiving objections in the same way that I would any of the other parts of the call with curiosity, calmness, confidence. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to try to help them investigate and find the truth so that they can make the best decision for themselves. And I'm going to love and respect them whether they say yes or no. So they're going to do the same for me. I do, though, believe that my job is to make it as easy as possible for the right people to say yes. And I do that by asking the right questions. That's sales when it's done right. Justin, that's powerful. 
Startup Nation, I want to tell you the preframe, going back to the preframe Justin just gave you verbatim. Model it verbatim. And Justin, I know I just gave the short uh, piece of mine, but I have used yours and implemented yours verbatim, and it's mm. still currently verbatim. And it has proven uh, to close 10,000 plus offers time and time again. Literally just reading that preframe. I even tell clients, this is how lazy I am. I tell prospects when we get on the call, okay, um, I just want to you know, get clear about our intention for the call here. And then I say, this part, I'm actually going to read to you just so that I stay concise. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just read it off of what I wrote. I wrote it, but I'm going to read it. Mm. And it keeps me from going off on tangents, which my brain just wants to do out of whatever, you know, just self-sabotage and acceptance. So I literally look down at my phone with a client on Zoom and I'm just reading the preframe to them. Mm. And it still closes 10,000 plus tickets. Reading it, people, reading it. So if you're lazy like me, you can do this. So I just want to encourage you, like, write this down verbatim, press replay, rewind, right? And just write it down and just try it. You can, it does, you can suck at saying it. Your tonality can be boring and plain or whatever. Just practice it. Don't cheat. Don't add to it. Just read what Justin has created for you. It works. You'll make more money from it. I just I wanted, love that. I just and want I to love, endorse that, bro. Gosh, I love your humility in that too. And I, I remember being 18 and my first sales job was selling Cutco kitchen knives and they gave us a manual and they're just like, just read this, just read it. Like literally just tell them, Hey, I'm new. I'm going to read this so I can get you all the right information. And a lot of people in those Cutco trainings, direct sales trains, they don't do that. They're too cool or something to, to actually just read it. But I'm like, okay, if this works, I'm just going to read it. And that's what I did. And I sold hundreds of thousands of dollars of kitchen knives reading that presentation. And, you know, there's, there's just like, there's a humility in it and there's so much value in just doing it the way that it works. And even at your level of success, Joseph, for you to do that, it says a lot about the kind of learner that you are and how your growth mindset is. And I just, I love that. I love that you shared that with everybody. I just wanted to give it a shot, right? Without tainting it or bringing my ego into it. Like, oh, I've done all the sales. I already know how to sell. You know, let me like totally pollute it with my history of selling to this pure little new process. No, I just got rid of it. And I said, let me just take the new process with no pollution whatsoever and just read the thing and let's see if it works and darn it, it works. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Um, Sales is a coaching call with an invitation at the end of it. That shifts a lot. It's a coaching call. So we're meant to like show up and coach. Well, what, what is coaching? Well, coaching is guiding people to their, their end result. What is the, their desired result? You're guiding them towards it. You're helping them get through their own head trash and just guiding them through that process. And then you're inviting them to, hey, here's an accelerated way to get to that desired result you just told me. Do you want to hear about it? All right, now I want to push back just a little bit because using this process, here's the pushback or pattern of pushback that I kept getting on sales conversations. 
and I'm ser- I'm offering this because I I'm guessing uh, that my listeners are getting this too. Mm. When you start to ask people, tell me about what's happening right now in your life, in your business. Tell me about your vision for the future, right? And you're coming in with this, this curiosity. Here's what I found. People talk, 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 and over talk. And the time I have on the call is being burnt up at an accelerated pace. So if it's a one hour call, all of a sudden I was finding I'm 40 minutes in, I'm only on step three, there's four more steps to go. And I'm still going to have this rushed invitation at the end, which I don't want. So I would find myself kind of like pushing in and like, okay, Let's move to the next. Let's move to the next. And that didn't feel great. It didn't feel Mm -hmm. authentic. So I just want to ask you, have you experienced this in your sales conversations or what have you done to avoid that, that rushing feeling? Yeah, I have experienced that. And there's, I'm, I'm chuckling a little bit because I can think about some of the times that it's happened and it's been more and more egregious in certain situations than others. I will say, as I've gotten a lot better at the sales conversation, I think that like through repetition, I know how to be efficient and ask the right questions in the right way that like makes it easy for people to give a shorter answer oftentimes. And I don't run out of time nearly as often now as I used to. And I think part of it is like people sense my leadership and command of the call and they go at the pace that I'm setting. Now, that's hard for me to describe how that happens. And I think that's purely off of repetition. But at the beginning, when I was mastering this process, you're like implementing this process. Now I had a lot of my calls going way too long. It's very common for me. And so I think that over time, uh, in uh, repetition is the only way we learn how to lead the pace of the call. And it's just something innate and people sense our leadership of the pace and they follow through on what is appropriate. Um, and we get maybe a little bit more dialed in our questions. Now, when it is happening early on that somebody's just talking and talking and talking, there's a number of different ways to respond to this. I'm going to give you like the most common ways. And I'll tell you a funny thing that uh, happened on one of my calls, but the most the easiest way is to continue to have transparency. If you want to move a little bit more directly and a little bit more quickly, but you don't want to feel like you're rushing or you don't want them to feel like you're rushing, that's where it's like, that doesn't feel very authentic. That doesn't feel very good. Then we might need to just be transparent with that and and have a new pre-frame. And so maybe they've just answered some marathon answer to a question. And, you know, my response might be like, wow, that's amazing. I've got like a hundred questions I want to ask you, but we only have so much time in this call. Uh, Thank you for sharing that so, so much with me. I'm curious so that we can be efficient with the time that we have on this call. Would you be okay if I asked some more direct questions and we just get right to the heart of the matter? And they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Okay. Awesome. I love that. I love being able to kind of get right into it. So like, like I said, I've got like a hundred questions, but the path I really want to take based on what you shared is I want to ask a series of a few questions that I've got in mind that I think can be really valuable for you. And I want to get your direct, most authentic answer on these. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, cool. So tell me about your exact business model or tell me about your pricing. Or if you were in a marriage conversation, like, you know, tell, tell me, tell me like, what is it about your marriage? Like the one or two things 
you love the most? And we start to like ask for one or two or three or something like that. What are the, what's the one biggest challenge you've been facing in your marriage over the last year? Or what's the one reason above all others that this is so important to you? So you can start to ask the one, the one, the one, but reframing reframing in the middle of the call, like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I've got like a foul. I could talk to you for hours. I can just sense that already. Blame it on yourself. I could talk to you for hours. I've got so many questions. You're so interesting. I love hearing about how it's all your wife's fault. Yeah. This is fascinating. (laughs) And like, I want to see, can we get right to the heart of the matter? Can I be really direct so we can use our time efficiently? I can provide some great value to you. Yes. Cool. What do you need to own? about your marriage right now and the way you're showing up as a husband? What's the one thing you know, like deep down, maybe you don't even want to share it, you need to own. And if I slow down also, Mm. and I deepen my tone, like you could hear, what do you need to own? I'm going to emphasize words. I'm going to like bring it. You can feel the directness of it, even beyond the words and the emphasis of the words, the slowing down, the lowering of my volume, the like slight intensity increase in my tone. And that people sense that and they answer the real question. Now, if somebody continues to go off on tangents, not likely after a reframe like that, but if they did, you might need to interrupt their pattern. And I'm going to give a funny example. I don't imagine any of the listeners are going to do this. And I'm not advocating that you do this. But here's an example that might help you remember interrupting the pattern. Because people get in this patternistic thing and we need to do something to make that change. And so I was on a sales call years ago before I was doing zoom calls and I had a person who was just going on and on and on. they weren't answering the real question. Mm-hmm. They immediately got off on a tangent and told me a different story that was irrelevant. And it is actually an avoidance of the pain of answering the real and hard question I asked. That's right. And so at some point in the middle of their long tirade, when I was just like, I can't, can't do this anymore. I clapped into the phone loudly and it went silent on the other end. And they were like, hello. I said, hey, Mary, I'm, I'm still here. I clapped into the phone because I wanted to interrupt your pattern. I noticed something and I feel like this is really important for you. Are you open to receiving some feedback? And listen, I'm taking a risk here because I'm going to coach her right now. And if she's not my client, she's not going to receive this. And that's okay. And I can lovingly allow her to end the call early if it's not for her. However, if she is my client, she's going to receive this coaching and start to recognize like, that I have something for her that she needs and I'm willing to tell her the truth. So I'm like, what I noticed is when I ask you a direct question, especially the hard ones that might have a painful answer, you begin to answer, but then you get into a tangent, you tell a story, your stories are very interesting. However, they oftentimes are off topic. And it feels to me like there's a part of you, maybe unconsciously, you're not thinking about it, it's not intentional, but something deep back behind all of this that says, I don't want to answer that question directly because it might hurt. And you're avoiding it by having, having this longer story. And I'm really curious if we could try a new pattern for the rest of this call. I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be open to me asking a few questions kind of in a sequence here that I think could help you get some great realizations and clarity. And I'm curious if you might give me your most direct answer without any supporting stories or anything else, but just like really direct. I know that's a little bit different, and maybe even being bold and bringing this to you, but I want to see, are you willing to receive that? Are you willing to try something with me and see where we get together? And she was a yes. And we had a great call and she bought. 
and she received the leadership. Now, again, I'm not expecting you to clap into your phone or do something that dramatic, but you could you could find another way to interrupt the pattern. You could do what podcast hosts do at the end of the call a lot. Okay, now we're going to enter our rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and I want your short like 10 second answer on each of these questions. Are you ready? Like you could do that. I, I podcast guests host do that all the time at the end. And like, you have, like you get the sense it's going to be rapid fire. There's no time for, okay. So there's no time for stories here. Just want your rapid fire answer. Like you could do that to interrupt the pattern. Um, you could do a number of different things, but you know, ultimately they have to be able to receive leadership and, and redirect if they're going to be your client and being honest and just saying like, Hey, I love these stories and I want to make sure we're efficient with our time. And I've got a lot more for you. Are you willing to be really direct with your answers and allow me to be really direct with my questions from here on out? That sounds great. Let's do it. Let's see where we can get together. I think this is so helpful, like really. And I do on both my uh, podcasts, I do the rapid fire uh, round at the end. So I never thought about doing, bringing that to a coaching call, but it's so helpful because I find with the work that I do with, you know, high achieving men, the areas that they're avoiding are the areas that matter, right? Mm -hmm. So when I ask them about those areas, they've been avoiding them for so long, that's their pattern that they don't just get right to it. But if I asked them a business question about why are there, is their profit down, they would give me a very clear, concise answer. But in matters of the heart, feelings, mm -hmm. people, right? It's all this avoidance. So thank you for that. And I hope that really serves you uh, startup nation, because there are people that come on calls, your prospects come on calls and they share their stories, their reasons, their excuses as means to justify the behaviors that are not serving them in their life because mm. they don't know the alternative. That's why you're there with them. You're about to give them an alternative, but their default is to explain their life away. Mm to explain their failures. And I know with me, I had a more direct approach. Just, isn't Justin's approach just so soft and graceful, <laughs> right? Like I had a different approach and I'd be like, hey, John, uh, your story actually of how you got here doesn't matter as much as what do you actually want mm -hmm. in your life? And I'd love to get to that if you're ready to. Like, what do you want, bro? And maybe it's been a long time since you've asked yourself that. What do you actually want in your marriage? Mm -hmm. What do you want in your parenting, in your relationship with your kids? What do you want that to look like? And I know that can be awkward because you haven't asked yourself that in so many years. But what if we just took like 60 seconds right now and we just explored that so we can actually create that for you? Does that sound like something you'd like to do? So good. And, like and I Matt, love emphasizing certain words. Like if you ask what you want and they give you this long answer, interesting. Thanks for sharing. What do you really want? Yeah, exactly. And now they're going to give you the, like, you know, now they're going to narrow. So uh, I love that. It's really good, Joseph. <laughs> Thanks, bro. That's, that was born out of frustration on sales conversations, mm -hmm. bro. Because I'm not a guy that is patient hearing excuses <laughs> or why your life's not working and blame mm. and, and all that stuff. I'm a guy that's like, do you, where do you want to go? I can help you. Like mm -hmm. I've been there. Can we just get to where you want to go and move to that? Mm -hmm. Do you really want to just keep reliving your history? Let's mm -hmm. create your future. Like that, that, that was the shift. So for me, that's caused a lot of frustration as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I just want to help you as you're listening, avoid that frustration. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe you're wired like me, or maybe you're super patient like Justin. It sounds like he's this, this magnificent. Oh, that! thank you for sharing that story. I really loved it. Not mm. me. I hated that. That was painful. <laughs> like, please stop talking. Mm. <laughs> All right, Justin. Um, once we get them starting to share right to it directly, and we're moving them forward in the, the sales conversation process, Uh, when we get to the end, we tell them about the invitation. Here's where I think I could serve you. I'm very confident I could serve you this way. You told me your goal is this. You're, You're committed to this. You're ready. Here's, let me tell you about how I can serve you. How do we do the ask in a way that's not sleazy? especially when it's a high ticket offer and maybe it's the first sales conversation we're having with our new higher Mm. rate. Mm. Yeah. I like, like always we're transparent and direct. So again, like, you know, you talked about the different ways to be direct. You know, I, I received a really great compliment from one of my clients. We had a mastermind retreat last week. And one of my clients told me that she believes I have a courageous boldness balanced with a profound gentleness, which mm-hmm. is a really nice compliment. Uh, so like, I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I'm so patient and gentle without the courageous boldness. We have to ask the bold, direct question always. And we have to be honest and transparent. And we also need to have some malleability. So you might recognize you're on a call with a driver. They're going to appreciate you just like cutting through it, being like, boom, like I hear that. And doesn't feel true to me. Where do you really want to go? And what's really standing in the way? Like, can we have the real conversation with a driver? That's going to really work with a bubbly person who wants to talk and like is very emotional. Like that might not be so effective. And if that's your style, then you might be polarizing in the right ways to, you know, help them select themselves out. Or you might bring a little bit more gentleness when it's needed for the right person. And so there can be a a malleability here, but the most important thing in sales like maybe the most important thing right up there at the top is transparency and directness. And we have to have a certain courage and boldness. And in the offer, we certainly need that. And so the way I'm going to present the offers, I'm not going to have sales avoidance here either. And I'm not going to make excuses or like soften it by being like, you know, I don't know if this is for you or not, um, or this might not be for you or no pressure. I said that at the beginning, I'm not softening this with like weak language that expresses my fear or doubt that they're now going to receive. I'm going to be direct and confident. And so if I'm going to make an offer, I might say, you know, our sales school for coaches is a six month program. There's a weekly call every week for six months where we help you master the sales process. We help you master prospecting and the art of influence, this mindset stuff that we're talking about. You also get three one-on-one coaching calls. You also get the opportunity to be certified in our sales process you get a free ticket to our summer conference. And there's a couple of other things. You get a a couple of weekly, excuse me, two office hours calls each month where I'm going to be available in a group setting to answer Q&A and coach you and provide value that you need. And ultimately, like the focus of the program, so I've given the details, but now I'm going to come outcome-based. Ultimately, the focus of the program is helping you master this process so you can achieve those sales goals we talked about before. And I really believe that you can be in this place in six months. So a statement of certainty. And the program is $5,000. Then a little pause. Is this something that you'd like to be a part of? And then we wait to hear what they have to say next. So there's not fluff in it. There's not a lot of fluff. I'm going to share the details. 
I'm going to share like the outcome and a statement of certainty potentially. Then I'm going to share the price and have a little pause and say, is that something that you'd like to do? And that's it. And then if they're like, oh man, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. It's, it, it's a lot. I totally get it. It is a lot. Talk me through why it feels like a lot to you. So I'm going to align with them by validating how they're feeling. And I'm going to ask a curious question. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to gather more information. And there might be an opportunity here for me to coach them and challenge them based on what they've shared so far on the call. Or I might recognize that, okay, this person isn't the right person. You know, ultimately people should be stretched in joining our coaching programs, but not stressed to the point that they like can't function or can't provide for their families or something like that. So there's an investigation and a willingness to let them go, but also a willingness to stand for them boldly if the thing that they should do is join this program based on the conversation that we've had. I really like what one thing you just said, and it's so easy to gloss over some of the wisdom that you're dropping here. So Startup Nation, your prospect, the way you know they're the right fit as far as the price tag is the price tag should stretch them, but not stress them. <laughs> should stretch their budget, but not stress their mind. Yeah? Like yeah, and there are some people who any price tag will stress their mind because they've got like a certain anxiety challenge or they've got an old story about money. So it should actually stretch them, uh, not stress them like financially where they can't yes. pay their bills that month. But if they're feeling stressed in their mind, we have to investigate like, is there a real reason for this stress? Or is this an old pattern that needs to be interrupted? In which case we might say, listen, like, tell me a little bit more about your financial position and share about that. Like, where are you at? Like, and if I developed enough rapport, I can ask the real questions and I can say like, listen, you shared in your story this. And I feel like that old story might be coming up right now. And I don't know that this story is the one that's going to serve you in achieving your next goal. Maybe it's kept you safe so far, but do you feel like this story around money is the story that's going to help you achieve the goals that you have for your business? Probably not, right? So if they if they get to a note, like here's where we can actually coach them. So sometimes we have to coach them through a stress that they're creating that isn't real, just like those old stories, those disempowering stories we talked about before around money and sales. And in other cases, yeah, if they're really stressed, like it's because there's a valid reason for them to be really stressed and it's not appropriate for them to join our program right now. And that has to be okay too. Thank you for that pushback on that. That's, that's in a... Uh a very important differentiator, right? Or to distinguish the two. All right. So startup nation, I know you're loving this because I'm loving this and I'm like you and you're like me, right? We're in this together. And Justin is, you know, really powerful as a sales trainer. Like you could just see that you could feel it and he's authentic and he's living in a 7,000 sales conversations in once he hits 10,000, man, he's going to be famous. You know that. And then you're not going to have access to him. Right now, you can have access to him. So that's pretty awesome. So Justin, hate to do this, but we got to wrap up the show here. Um, so Startup Nation, if you want more, we're going to tell you how to do that in just a few minutes. Um, and if you like, we can have Justin back on the show to go deeper in different areas of the sales conversation because the sales conversation has so much... It, it has a few verticals, but man, each one goes deep, don't they? They really do. All right. So Justin, thank you for simplifying the sales process uh, for us. 
and taking out the sleaze of it, right? So that's probably the title of this show is how to make sales simple, not sleazy, right? That'll be this episode. And that's what we all want. We want a simple process. You know, I see Justin writing that down because he liked that. He liked that headline, <laughs> right? And uh, all right, so we're about to go into the hustle round. So Justin, I'm gonna ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about 30, uh, three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show without the prizes. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's go. Justin, what is your favorite thing about sales? Transformation. Transformation. What is your least favorite thing about sales? I love sales. <laughs> you didn't always love sales. What used to be yeah. your least favorite thing about sales? Uh, fear of judgment. Right? It's always like this personal identity thing. That's where we have the issue for sure. All right. Uh, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. What are you currently challenged with uh, right now in your life, either professionally or personally? My wife, uh, my, my sister, excuse me, passed away a year and a half ago. And she was 42 from cancer. Linnea is her name. And she's just the most wonderful person. And I, I've just been in a season of grief. And I'm God's been good. And I've been coming out of it. But I, I really miss my sister. And the grieving process has been really challenging personally and professionally, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Because they carry into both, right? If you're mm -hmm. showing up authentic in your life. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that with us. I feel it, right? Grief. We all go through it. Different levels, different seasons. All right. What are you most afraid of? Uh, I, I have like a fear of getting caught in something that doesn't feel good. Like I have a fear of future overwhelm. Like if a certain behavior pattern came up in my marriage or a behavior pattern came up in my kids or uh, something felt like I was stuck or locked in, in my business. Like sometimes if I think too far ahead and I imagine the thing I don't like being magnified over time, that overwhelm scares me. And it's usually a story, uh, always a story. It's not true, but it gets there for me sometimes. Wow. Yep. That's powerful. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this coaching business? Hmm. Playing fantasy football, probably. <laughs> um, in in the actual business, I spent way too much time worrying about what other people would think and paying attention to how many likes I was getting on social media and things like that that just didn't matter. They really don't. Yep. You know, shifting to focusing on how can I add more value to my clients? How can I love them better? Mm. Right? How can I solve their problems faster? How can I offer easier solutions that take less time and effort for them? Right. Mm. When you start focusing on this and these things, the fears just dissipate because mm -hmm. you're now operating from love rather than fear. Mm -hmm. And fear can't exist where there's love. So shift, shift everything. And I, this is a challenge for myself constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, what secret fear do you have about people? Uh, recently, I, I found myself a little bit afraid of AI. I see the value in uh, AI and chat GPT, and I've, mm -hmm. I've explored it a little bit. And there's part of it that's exciting, but I, I also 
am a little bit afraid of the doors that are being opened. Yeah, giving it too much access, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your coaching business? Mm. That an email list is far more valuable than a social media list. Hmm. Uh, when I send an email, a third of the people open it. Our email list is small. It's like 3,000 people, but over 1,000 people open every email. I make a social media post on my business page, you can see how many people, maybe 70, 100 people look at it uh, or see it. There's algorithms I can't control. And for the longest time, I thought email wasn't important because I don't value reading emails. But a recognition that I now have with statistics to back it up is that email is far more powerful than other reaches uh, in, in nurturing our audience. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? Hmm. The, the truth is I feel like I've, I've learned things in the time that I was ready to receive them. Mm -hmm. uh, what I suppose I would have liked to have learned sooner is, is how to just like accept and love myself exactly as I am and recognize that my tribe will resonate with my personality, my authenticity. And so I don't need to be anybody else or worry about what the people who don't like me think. I just need to focus on the people who are my tribe, who are going to love my message. And it, you know, the first year was hard. Like doing a Facebook live was hard. Mm -hmm. Recording a podcast episode was hard. I remember having anxiety and nerves and wondering what people would think. And it's so nice now having had a few years of like so many of those. It's again, it's repetition, just like sales. After enough repetitions, it just becomes easy. And if I could have gotten there a little bit sooner, that would have felt nice. I think it's okay though. The, the pace that I was on was fine. It's part of my journey. What's a new habit you're going to create? this year? Uh, I mean, it, it's really like around like adding value through emails and podcasts. So we launched a sales uh, strategies for Christian coaches podcast in February that I've been executing on each week. And it feels really fun to nurture my audience and, pro and provide for them through that along with sending other emails that are nurture based emails. And I think I resisted email for a long time. And so the new habit is providing value through email. Excellent. Pick three words to describe who you are now. I am loving. I am powerful. And I am a leader. Awesome. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in the, as a coach. Mm. I was brave. I was persistent. And I was a leader. Okay, pretty good. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your wife and kids and family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about true success in business and life, what would you say to them? Love God more and love your neighbors better. Boom. Homework assignment. You get to give Startup Nation, my audience, a homework assignment for this week. What is one action they must take? One action from the show they must take to get their desired results. I think there's two groups of people. So I'm going to give two assignments. One is the group of people who are already holding sales calls. And it's to script that preframe and deliver it on your next sales call. I also know that people avoid sales at such a high degree that many of your listeners are getting ready to get ready and they're doing everything they can. They're revising their website for the fourth or fifth time. They're doing anything other than getting on a sales call. And for those people, it's to book 
a sales call, to send a message to someone you know and say, hey, I'm starting a coaching business. I'm doing this. I want to see if I can have a call with you to share what I'm doing and see if if, if I can support you or someone you know, like some simple text, like line up a call, even call it practice. Like, hey, I need to practice a sales conversation for my new business. Could I practice with you? I mean, anything to get on the sales call. If you have not, if you're listening to this, you haven't done a sales call yet, you're avoiding it, get on a sales call, have a conversation. And if you're already holding them, implement the preframe. Awesome. Stop perfecting your avoidance. Mm. Stop perfecting your avoidance. That's what we yes. do. Yes. Oh, the logo is just, uh, it's not exactly where I want it. Right. Oh, I got to move this. Oh, that's not the right picture. I could go find a better picture. I am an expert at perfecting avoidance. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. doesn't serve me. It's never served me. Why do we still do it? Stop. Mm. Stop. Mm. Startup Nation, if you enjoyed this episode with Justin Janowski, would you be willing to go to Apple? Uh, podcast and write him an honest review of how he just added value to you, how he moved you 1% in your business and in your life. Would you do that? Or go to first100k.com. You could do it there directly on our website, or you could do it at stitcher.com, whichever you prefer. If we like what you write, uh, we will read it live on the show and give you a shout out, which I'm about to do for Weird Meatball. Thank you, Weird Meatball, for your five-star review. Uh, you wrote, love the messaging of your first 100K. Great targeting towards Christian coaches and inspiring stories to help people find success and fulfillment. Thank you for that, Weird Meatball. I agree. I mean, Justin is a great example of that. Inspiring personal story, uh, giving us tactics and, and helping us get through our own head trash that's holding us back in our life. It's not serving us. Uh, so go write your five-star review. Justin, we've waited so long. Stop making us wait, dude. Like, where <laughs> do we get this PDF that's going to change our sales calls, our sales conversations? We're going to close more uh, sales. We're going to land more clients. What do you got for us? Where do we go? Good sales pdf.com good sales pdf.com you can grab the 10-step pdf and it'll be a nice support to this episode good sales pdf.com you'll find it in the show notes and your website is what www.faith2influence.com it's the number two faith to influence faith to influence.com and we got sales is good.com sales is good.com because some sales of us think sales is bad we've been told <laughs> that let's make sales good all right justin janowski thank you for being on your first 100k i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life sir thank you for having me joseph it was fun cheers have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked have you tried therapy have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? 
if any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.